put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. From St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'm just sick of myself. I wonder if you've ever said or thought those words before. I hate being this way. What's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this? I'm so tired of being me. I'm sick of myself. You might be surprised how many times priests hear things like this, especially in confession. Feeling the weight of our habitual sins, our seemingly intractable character flaws, the holes we've dug ourselves into, the aspects of our personalities that we find so frustrating, the past that haunts us, which we cannot seem to put away, we utter under our breath, usually with our face held in our hands, I'm sick of myself. Are you sick of yourself? What hope is the gospel to those of us burdened by or frustrated with or alienated from or sick of our very selves? What redemption does God accomplish in us, in our selfhood? You see, most often when we think about sin and salvation, we think about overcoming the overcoming of estrangement and alienation and separation between ourselves and others, chiefly God, but also our neighbors and even our enemies. But what about the other who is myself? What about the sin that corrupts, that damages my very personhood? What about the alienation that runs right through me, that puts me at odds with myself, that tears me apart? What hope is there for myself? Well, the answer to this question that St. Paul gives us this morning in his letter to the Ephesians is this. God gives us a new self, and this new self is in the likeness of God. And the likeness of God is none other than Jesus Christ, the image and likeness of God. The hope of the gospel is this, that we no longer have to be ourselves. That's good news, at least for a lot of us. We are invited by God to receive new selves in Christ, and in finding ourselves in Christ, we become exactly who we were made to be. So the past few Sundays, we've been hearing read from the lectern nearly the entirety of Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. And you may have noticed this recurring rhetorical theme appearing over and over again that goes something like this. Once you were this, but now in Christ you are this. Because Paul's strategy throughout Ephesians is to make clear the radical transformation we undergo when we are joined to Christ in baptism and made members of his body by faith. Once you were dead in trespasses, children of wrath, Gentiles, aliens, outside the people of God, alienated from God, 
walking in darkness, ignorant, hard of heart, and drowning in sin. But now, he says, now in Christ you are alive, saved by grace, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, brought near to God, citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, a holy temple in which the Lord dwells, sharers in the promises of God, made righteous. This, Paul says, is the new self. And the new self in Christ lives a life in which God's reconciliation of the world is made manifest in her. So listen again to the way that Paul instructs these new creations that he's writing to in Ephesus. He says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, bitter, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as in Christ God forgave you. So the new self, Paul says, is truthful and forgiving, without anger, generous, encouraging, pure in speech and thought. And we hear this description of that kind of life, this new life in Christ, and we deeply want to be that kind of person. We find it attractive. We think that is a good life. And Paul is saying that somehow, miraculously, that is what we already are in Christ. Welcome to your new self, he says. And yet, Paul understands this quite well, it often does not feel like that is the case. The new self we receive feels like it doesn't quite fit. We feel stuck between two versions of ourselves. One, the self we've always known that we're familiar with, that we at least feel comfortable in, even if we come to lament and tire of and loathe that person. The other is a self that we desire, one that is free and righteous, that flourishes. We can almost imagine a version of ourselves utterly transformed by God's grace and walking in light and love of God, but it feels so far off, simply impossible to have, and we fear what it would take, what, we, what it might cost us, indeed, to be that self. So at best, we feel torn between those two selves, internally fractured, a divided self, as St. Augustine put it. But at worst, we simply leave the new self in the closet, rarely putting it on at all, preferring to wear instead the old and familiar clothes of our past. So what hope is the gospel to us divided selves? How do we grab hold of the new creation that God has already made us in Christ and leave behind that old creature of sin? How does God redeem ourselves? 
I want to focus our attention this morning, just for a few minutes, to a critical moment in our reading from Ephesians. It's this pair of phrases, a metaphor indeed, that Paul uses to exhort us in the midst of this kind of agony between these two selves, put off and put on. The picture Paul gives is one of getting dressed. Change out of your old self, he says, and into your new one. Put on your new self. If it were only that easy. But what does Paul mean when he directs us to change into, or perhaps better, to be changed into our new selves? Well, he makes this charge in three distinct injunctions, each of which I think is important for us to to reflect on this morning. First, he says, put off, but then he says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and then put on. Put off, renew, put on. Repeat. That's the hygiene of Christian discipleship. And indeed, the echoes of bathing, of washing, are not incidental. The metaphor Paul is using most likely comes from some of the earliest ancient baptismal liturgies, rites in which the catechumens, who had learned Christ, been catechized, as Paul puts it, took off their old clothing, symbolic of the life they were leaving behind, and entered naked into the waters of baptism, being baptized into Christ, and emerged to be clothed with a new white garment representative of their new life in Christ. So what Paul is doing here is exhorting us, his fellow Christians, to renew our baptisms, which we'll do at the 1045 service. We'll baptize a new member of Christ's body and renew our own baptisms. To daily put off and be renewed and put on in order that they and we might evermore abide in Christ. Put off the old self. There is a dark truth embedded in these words that unless we acknowledge it head on, will undermine our capacity to receive God's new gift of life. And it's this. Sin runs all the way down and all the way through us. It's not just that we've done bad things and do bad things. It's not just that we've wronged others, harmed God's creation, and offended God. Of course we have. It's that our whole selves are infected by sin, every part of it. Nothing we do apart from grace is without the taint of sin. Sin structures our patterns of thinking and feeling and perceiving, our understanding of ourselves and God and the world. In short, our being is being in sin. And so Paul's exhortation is necessarily extreme. Put off the old self. Get rid of yourself. Strip yourself of your identity, your hopes, your dreams, your sensibilities, your habits, your ideas, and your past. All of it, nail it to the cross. Crucify them. Put off the old self. There is nothing of it that you can have unless you first totally abandon it to God 
and receive it back completely transformed. How do we do that? How do we put off the old self? For many of us, we want to be rid of that self, to no longer be chained to the person we've been, the sins and failures of our past and present, but we can't seem to shake it. Our past is always present to us. Guilt and regret cling to us. Sins have become habits, seemingly impossible to break. The old self just won't go away, no matter how hard we try. If you're carrying the weight, the burden of the old self this morning, and you want to be freed from its grip, I want you to hear God's promise to you this morning. You are not fated to be that self. Your old self was already put off in baptism. And the first step toward freedom and the new self is to remember your baptism. Because there you were crucified with Christ. And every time you enter this church and dip your fingers in that baptismal font back there and make the sign of the cross and renew your baptism, you are stripping off the old self that tries to cleave to you still. So remember your baptism. But second, if you're troubled by the old self, if you're haunted by guilt or paralyzed by addiction or weighed down by despair and failure, I want to invite you to receive the sacrament of confession and absolution. We, your priests, long for you to receive this grace. And it really is a grace. People have found hope and consolation and freedom in confession, bearing the sin and guilt of their old selves in the ocean of God's forgiveness and receiving the grace of God's healing. So if you desire the powerful grace of reconciliation, I want to invite you to consider giving your confession and receiving the gift of God's freedom. Put off that old self once and for all. But then Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Because if it's true that sin runs as deep as our very selves, then we must be transformed even deeper. Those of us who have put off the old self must be renewed, washed, renovated at our very core. St. Paul knows that transformed actions and behavior and life depend on something even more fundamental, transformed thinking and feeling and perceiving habits of mind and ordering of our loves and desires. If you want to act like Christ, in other words, you actually have to be transformed into his likeness. You have to be converted all the way down, every part of you, a baptism of the imagination at the deepest level. And one of the ways that our minds are renewed, converted, washed, is by having our most basic and fundamental habits of thought and feeling and perception transformed by sacred scripture. Because when St. Paul speaks of our mind's renewal, of learning Christ, as he puts it, he's not talking about learning new ideas or gaining new information through hard study. What he has in mind is something much deeper. 
than learning about Christ, receiving teaching regarding him. Renewing our minds happens, he says, when we learn Christ. When we encounter him in word and sacrament, when we receive him directly in the testimony of Scripture and in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, when we take him in to our body and mind and soul, by being soaked in the testimony of Scripture, our vision of the world is renewed in Christ. By tasting his body and blood, our senses, our desires are converted towards him, and our minds are renewed as we meet Christ. So this leads finally then to the third action that Paul commends. Put on the new self. This is the liberating grace of the gospel. In Christ, we have new selves. And this is not just a metaphor for St. Paul, nor is it what is promised to you by self-help programs, an improved self that's thinner or more organized or happier or more successful or better at time management. No, it's not an improved self. It's a new self, a kinon anthropon, a new human, a new kind of humanity, the kind of self that cannot be produced out of self-discipline or self-improvement or moral resolve, but can only be received by grace because the new self is Christ, the likeness of God. The new self is myself in Christ, a union so profound, so transformative, that Paul will then go on to call us Christ's own body. Those of us this morning who are burdened by the old self, by our haunting past, by our unhappy presence, our recalcitrant habits, our enduring shame, we have this hope that Jesus gives us new selves. And the new self that he gives us is himself. And here's the even better news. He's giving you himself today, right here at this altar. Christ is giving you his very self, his body and blood, his soul and divinity in this sacrament. He's giving you yourself in himself. So take and eat and consume him, be consumed by him, and become what you are, your new self, the body of Christ, beloved of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.